Hello and welcome to the PD Performance Podcast. This week's podcast is a conversation with Graham Morris. Graham is a strength and conditioning coach based in Melbourne, Australia. He is currently working with the AFL referees. He has previously worked in rugby union and rugby league and is currently working in a private setting with both rugby union and rugby league players as well as soccer players and combat sport athletes. So we had a conversation that went all over the place, touching on all of those topics, amongst many others, including last week's AFL Grand Final, the upcoming NRL Grand Final, Volkanovski's recent win in the UFC, the Wallabies, how he structures his innovative multi-directional tempo running work and his acceleration and change of direction work with his athletes, as well as how he programs for his combat sport athletes. So there's something in there for everyone, I hope. As always, I hope you enjoy it. And if you do enjoy it, please remember to like it, share it and send it. This podcast is sponsored by Coach Sam Portland, who is also known as Coach Sportland on Instagram and Facebook. Sam has devised a mentorship program for strength and conditioning coaches that gives them the tools to take control of and change their lives. I can testify to this given that I participated in the program earlier this year. Sam has coached international rugby players, Olympic athletes and elite level American footballers. Using all of his experience, the mentorship program puts you, the coach, first, giving you systems of application from speed and change of direction to the minute detail of speed coaching, program development, injury rehab and much, much more. It will help you distill your current knowledge and allow you to beat the battle of information overload the industry currently faces. What separates this mentorship program from the rest is the personal development aspect. 50% of the program is dedicated to you getting to know yourself further as a coach. I can safely say that this is the aspect that makes the most meaningful and significant change, helping you to find the right balance between elite level coaching and living a happy and purposeful life. If you're interested and want to learn more, for PD Performance Podcast listeners only, Sam is offering five 60-minute coach audit calls valued at £150 for free. To register for this unique opportunity, send Sam an email with the subject line PD Performance Mentorship to sam at coachsportland.co.uk. Only five audit calls are up for grabs, so go and get after it. Now, on to the podcast. Great, mate. How are you getting on in lockdown at the moment? I know in Australia, so how are you surviving or what's keeping you sane? Uh, mate, to be honest with you, it's miserable. Yeah. Uh, it's gone on, gone on for way too long now. For someone that like enjoys being in the gym, out in the field with the boys, going to the pub with your mates, having a beer, having a punt on the horses, watching sport, having a few beers, watching the UFC, uh, you can't even have friends around at your house at the moment. So... Uh, and plus my family's locked in another state. So, but, you know, keep things sane. I guess at the start, I just smashed heaps of Uber Eats, Netflix and beers. But now I've kind of got my head screwed on and I'm trying to get fit and healthy. I'm trying to do a bit of reading. Uh, I've done a bit of study and I'm just trying to tick off a little things each day. And um, I've, got, I've got plenty of online business at the moment as well. So um, That's kind of what happens with a lot of people that are in this industry anyway from what I, I kind of experienced in lockdown as well, you get kind of into this, I'll call it a honeymoon phase, like initially when lockdown hits and you're like, I'm going to do all of the things that I don't usually get to do because I'm too busy yeah. to. And then yeah. you realise that that doesn't that. make you happy, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. 
it's the stuff you, you, that you usually get yeah. pissed off about having too much of that you want to do yeah. more of. A couple of days of it is really good, but when you have a few weeks of it on end and you're like, oh, this is not, this is, if the problem is when you feel like you're not um, growing or not working towards something, I feel like you feel a little bit lost. Yeah. And that's kind of what lockdown's kind of done to a lot of people, um, especially when it doesn't really um, seem too much end in sight. I mean, there's a little bit of end in sight now. They're saying double, 80% double vax and all that, but who knows, mate? Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> it, it's, uh, you need that kind of purpose. We were talking about a sense of purpose last week on the podcast a lot, and um, especially in our industry because we're kind of, uh, like coaches typically are people that are very industrious and constantly chasing the next thing and more growth and more improvement yeah. and self-improvement so it can be tough when you're just told to stay in your house and one thing that I, I was talking to my mate who's in um, Sydney at the moment yeah. and I couldn't wrap my head around is all of the states in Australia just have different rules and different yeah. like none of them and he was like the reason is because none of the politicians in the different states get on with each other. They all hate each other. So they just go well, with different rules all the time. I've been, I, I was living in Sydney for 10 years and I left in February to move to Melbourne. Yeah. And it feels like they all just hate each other. Like it's like, a, <laughs> it's like some, some competition. And we're like, this is a nation. Like this, can't we all get on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, to be honest with you, I was, I'm quite lucky because when I, when I got out of, started, went private last year, um, I was doing some online work anyway. So when, when COVID hit in March, April last year, we had a six-week lockdown. So I, I actually started pushing. I was already in that place where my online was starting to take off anyway. So it, I was probably one of the luckier ones because I had already had things in place um, with like secondary income streams outside of the gym, um, outside of other things. So I always had this little safety net. Um, so that's, that's, that's been quite beneficial. Yeah. yeah, especially where you are now, like if you're in lockdown and you're pushing more of the online business and that's the importance of having multiple revenue streams when you are a coach. Yeah. And it's the benefit to private as well. Like there's a little bit more risk there as well, I'm sure. But you probably have more autonomy and you kind of to be real, I don't know, deep about it, Jared, a master of your own destiny, essentially. Like yeah. as Care said, you make as much money as how well you work rather than you just getting paid a salary. Yeah, well, I wish I wish I was as smart and hardworking as him because he's, you know, he's always hard on himself, but he's set up something really, really good there. And if you knew how much money, I know what he earns. If you knew what he earned, bloody hell. But um, I'm actually, uh, I, but I also have, I'm contracted with the AFL as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm part-time with the AFL because um, so I look after the, the field umpires. So I'm head of S&C for that. But it's only part-time. And outside of that, I've got clients face-to-face I'm doing a few in the park at the moment, a few athletes, field work. And I've got a few fighters that have permits as well because they're, they're professional. Um, so that kind of helps. So I've probably had it better than a lot of other people, to be fair. Yeah. What I want to touch on there first is we were talking about you're missing going to watch live sport and stuff, but you've been blessed in Oz in the recent weeks anyway with the amount of sport that's been on. And just to touch on the AFL uh, grand final last week, I heard Melbourne kind of ran away with it. I didn't actually catch the game because I was watching the yeah. rugby. But what is it like working with the referees? Is there a decent kind of culture amongst them? Do they all get on really well? And like, yeah, how is it really... working working with them? Well, look, first of all, like, um, I don't have that much face-to-face contact because what's happened is, is because of COVID this year, um, I was at the beginning, I was only really, from my position, I was only having one day a week face-to-face and the rest of it, I was just planning and implementing 
um, the programming online. Um, then obviously COVID hit Victoria and referees kind of got spread out to different states and different bubbles and all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, they get on well. They're, they're super, super fit. Like they hit, they're hitting 15 kilometers a game, which people probably don't realize. Yeah. They, they hit a huge amount of like 15 kilometers a game is as much as an AFL player would probably do. They're still hitting um, high speed meters. You know, it's multi directional. They can't get fatigued because at the end of the day, they've got to make um, good decisions. So, You've got to keep them nice and healthy. I mean, obviously, the, generally, the better umpires tend to be a little bit older because they're more experienced and have been in these positions before. Um, so then, I guess, because they're older, they're a little bit more susceptible to soft tissue injuries. So you've got to try and manage your loads. My boss is really, really good with that. Um, a lot of the mo- load management and things like that. But Salaeus, the gastro-type area, tends to be the, the problem area for these guys. Yeah. Yeah, because they probably have less intense efforts, but it's like consistent high-speed meters that they're hitting like throughout the whole game, I suppose. That would be just anecdotally. Yeah, and it's not a stop-start. Yeah, it's not like a player, really. Yeah, probably exactly. Just... I was just going to ask, though, since you haven't had that face-to-face, was it a struggle at the start to build a little bit of buy-in with them? Or was it easy because they are elite athletes at the end of the day, as you said? Well, what's happened is... We've... Last year, with the COVID hitting that, a lot of the stuff, the, the design, the program, so that a lot of it's done off-site. They, get, they have their own autonomy with that. So they all have, like, catapult um, GPS systems, and they have a lot of, okay, rather than training on-site, you can train when you want. Just upload it up, up thing. These are all your different scenarios that you can do. This is how far away from the game. My boss put all this in place. And I think since he's coming, coming into that position and putting those things in place... You probably have less face-to-face, but they have more control over their programming. Um, they probably get a little bit better volumes. They get to decide when they want to do it, and it fits their schedule a bit better. Because these guys all have jobs as well. They're not yeah. full-time. Yeah. Oh, they're not. So no. it's a, that's very interesting because it's kind of similar to the GAA over here then. And what yeah. I was just thinking is a lot of the referees, well, the good and, ones NRL, essentially. NRL is full-time. Yeah. Um, but AFL isn't. Yeah. Okay. So... I still get paid well. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure they get paid well. Same as referees here. But what I was just going to say is a lot of referees, well, the good ones at least, what they would tend to do in Ireland at least is a lot of distance running. And they probably don't get exposed to the similar or the same kind of intensities that they would in a game when they're doing their own training because they're kind of left to their own devices a lot of the time. So was that kind of one of the gaps that you identified that needed kind of filling or what sort of... Um, well, were you, my boss what, was, what were you using to kind of develop their athleticism or improve their athleticism? My boss was kind of on top of all this before Rob Jackson, but me and oh, him yeah. been in contact. He was in contact. He was at um, Melbourne Demons before yeah. that, and he was also at um, St Kilda. But we had kind of been chatting through social media and all that, and I think he brought me in to see what I could kind of add to the program and stuff. But in terms of like, we might have a capacity day, and you might have those longer intervals, and then that will come down to slightly shorter intervals on one day. Other day, we put more tempo stuff in there, so you're still getting those yep. higher speed meters. Um, each session, there'll be a warm-up. You'd have some, some, some build up some sprint meters with some um, speed mechanics and things like all that, some change of direction mechanics to put in there. So rather than thinking of like, like this volume, we're treating these guys more like um, athletes and having more of a high-performance program put in place. Yeah. And improve their movement efficiency, I suppose, from the sounds of that, so that then they can do it non-consciously and then they can just focus on making decisions. Um, that's, that's, the, that's the plan. 
that's it essentially where we're trying to get to yeah, yeah. um i was just thinking though because we were talking decision making and information processing and i think you were kind of friendly with jeffrey moyer and i was mm. interested to see if you did if you have trialed any of the types of innovative stuff that he kind of does be doing well see what happened was three years ago i went to the states and it's funny what happened was he hit me up one day because i was posting some friends bosch stuff I was trialing this stuff. This is years ago. And he's like, okay, why are you doing that? Because he's, he's a little bit against it. But um, and I, I, I started chatting to him um, like off kind of, we started chatting towards him quite a bit. And then Kia was presenting at um, Jay's seminar, CVAS. And I was like, then Jeff was presenting. I was like, Jeff, I'm flying across. He's like, come stay with me in Pittsburgh. All right. So I flew across to New York. Then I, I think I, I visited Gudango first, Mike Gudango. And then, um, then I went out with Jeff and Jeff looked after me for three days, showed me around pit. But he actually used me in the videos for the CVAS. He was shooting these bloody ping pong balls at me. And I looked like this idiot. And then he put in front of everyone, look how uncle I am. There's always different yeah. balls coming at me. But um, I haven't used much of it, to be honest. He does it with a lot of his kids and, that, and things like that. And he's in that private facility. I, I think in a private facility, it worked quite well. Whether or not you could get the buy-in within a team yeah. would be more difficult. But... I think with certain, I think things like cricket, even with halfbacks um, who'd make a decision, hookers when they got the ball, they don't have much time to make those mm. decisions. I think there's a place for it somewhere. It's just how do you get it into your program? I'm sure if yeah. you spoke to Jeff, he, he'd know exactly where to put it in. But for, for me, that would be where can I put this in? If I put this in, do I have to remove it from something? If I have to remove it from something, is that going to leave a gap somewhere yeah. else? Because a lot of these scenarios, people think you have infinity time to train people, but you really don't. So, yeah, I do think you have to speak to him where that would fit in with um, into a team. But, yeah, in a private setting, like he's doing it. So, And if you ever speak to Jeff, he's, he's very blunt. He's like, oh, that's all cool, but what are your results? That's yeah. what I love about him. He's like, yeah. what are your results? So it's, it's like, oh, hang on. You know what I mean? But fear, is a, fear is a great. Fear is a great thing, yeah. But, you know, what are your numbers before? Show what are your numbers me. after? I was just thinking as well there when you said halfbacks as well, and I was thinking standoffs or first fives as well because they have to pick up information so quickly. And those type of players, as you'll know, are typically the most obsessive. Well, you have two sides of the spectrum. They're typically the, either the least obsessive or the most obsessive on the team, like in terms of their diligence to their training. So you definitely yeah. get buy-in for them. And I was yeah. thinking potentially if you just threw it in in a warm-up maybe – um, prior to gym once a week or whatever like maybe it's not enough to get as much kind of benefits as you would like but you'll probably it, it keeps it varied it, keep, it keeps them yeah. bought into it and it's something you different you can potentially put into recovery days low days sometimes you can just teach your guys a couple of drills a week hey then empower them how to do it see if they do it and take it away come back to them a couple of weeks hey are you doing this oh here you go here's another one more here's another exercise you can add on um, I've yeah. never done this, but yeah. that's probably that's probably how I'd go about it. It's kind of a general model as well, though, isn't it? It's a generally improving your perception rather than actual specifics on field because you know yourself. Yes, like when and, you're and on, that's that's one of the arguments probably from it. But I can't. If you're on Strength Coach Network, have you watched? Have you watched the? Yeah, the, the, yeah I can't because there's a few beers around those seminars, so I, I probably forgot it. <laughs> yeah, but like but, uh, I but think yeah. I think that. Um, 
if you treat your athleticism in terms of a general prep phase and a specific prep phase, why wouldn't you do the same with other qualities? You know, so there's definitely a benefit there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but like everything, it's just always hard to, to, to prove the transfer, isn't it? Yeah, but that's that's the thing as well. Like, he, yeah. It, yeah. it just comes back to are you winning? And if yeah. you're winning, it doesn't really matter if you're trying to prove it. And I, I think... Australian sport is tough as well because it's so competitive and a team that doesn't do well one year can do very well the next year and the same thing if they're doing well one year then the very next year they could be bottom of the ladder um well, Melbourne Demons had heat on their coach had he had heat on him last year and now they go through and absolutely destroy the grand final yeah. <laughs> have they I was actually interested to ask you this have they the plot that started and the accusations or whatever are the theories that Melbourne are now the fittest team in the comp and that's why they won it? Well, there's, I think there's... I haven't been... To be honest, straight up to start with, I don't watch read any news at the moment mm. because Good idea. It's, been so, it's been so depressing yeah. with the... like with the, They always have the COVID numbers every day, lockdown, this and that. So I, I've stopped watching any news. But, you know, I think there's a lot of talk about Darren Burgess and how he's... Um, you know, mastercrafted and, and brought all these things in place and, you know, wherever. And he, ha- and he has, I'm sure. I'm sure he has. Yeah, I'm that's... sure. Mate, in a day, it's, you're only as good as what's happened that season if you're winning. <laughs> exactly. This is what I we're mean, talking about. And, 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 don't, and don't get me wrong, they had a lot of um, players were ready to, have been developed over the years and they were ready to go as well this year. And obviously, you know, the head coach has done a good job there as well. Yeah, a lot of time you, a lot of time in sports, mate. It's just who comes together at the right time. It's just about timing. Yeah, exactly. Time, and like as yeah. you said, there, there's the psychological element. There's a tactical, yeah. tactical, technical element, and yeah. then oh, yeah. when you win, everything is brilliant. Like everything that you've done has been fantastic, and when you lose, everything is shite. The whole it's, team, it's, they're not conditioned well enough. They're not. Um, well, if you have the right players and the right combination, and technically, tactically better, you're not making mistakes. You're going to be fit, mate. Exactly, yeah. If the other team's chasing you, make a few mistakes in rugby league and, and then watch your guys do back-to-back um, defence efforts and you run the water out to them and it looks like guys are about to have a heart attack. Yeah. You know? But when you're winning and you're, they're setting up for a try and they're sitting back, they're full of energy, they're ready, they're, they're sweet, mate. Like it, exactly. You know, who controls the position? Who has the ball? Who's not making mistakes? Generally look the fitter. And defense is always harder than attack. You always feel more tired when you don't have the ball. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, we had a game with the GA team that I coach uh, at the weekend, and we were we were dominating the game. And it came to the last couple of minutes, and I'd say there was about four or five minutes left. We were two points up. We were retaining possession and running them ragged. And we were all just flying. They were still flying. They were just running around them, running rings around them, like, and they were so fresh. And then all of a sudden, turnover, they get the ball. And I just asked the lads after the game, I was like, lads, how were we running the rings around them? And then all of a sudden, we lost the ball and we were all knackered. Oh, like, you know, we just, shit, yeah. balls to the wall, yeah. get back, defend, we're all bollocks. Yeah. Like, and I was like, it, like, it's clearly a psychological thing, that damage yeah, limitation. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's sport, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. And then to touch on the, the league chat, I suppose we might as well... Ch- touch on it yeah. now because you're blessed because the grand finals this weekend and just the games that have been going on are just like they've been low scoring but they've been real like absolute ding dong battles like just absolutely running into each other and the defense as you said there and, has been absolutely incredible 
And I think it's good because, like, at the start of the year, there were so many blowouts with the rule changes and stuff. Yeah. And I think to watch it and you're watching this 40-0 and stuff like that, you're like, oh, my God. Like, it didn't really have, you know, that six again and stuff like that. It's kind of it's just created all these blowouts. But it's good to come. And also, they were sending players off for nothing, yeah. which was driving, driving everyone insane. But it seems to be tightened up quite a bit right now. And, and yeah, the finals have been pretty exciting. But I think... Looking from a union perspective across into league when that was happening, we'd already gone through that with their red cards because they had the rule changes of the tackle laws. And then what they do initially is they police it like so obsessively and diligently and they just give red cards left, right and centre because they're trying to elicit behaviour change, I suppose. And And that's a hard thing to do. What game? What game was it? Union last World Cup was it? Was it France versus New Zealand? And they and they red carded a French player early or something. Yeah, yeah, it, it was just over. Just forked out. Like, yeah. there's no point watching anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and that's why they brought in the new the new rule in the Southern Hemisphere anyway, where a red card is just twenty minutes rather than ten minutes in the bin. Okay. Um, I, I, haven't, I haven't been watching much Union to be honest. But but because, that's what I'm saying is the frustration yeah. that I was seeing from league. I was kind of thinking I was like, don't worry, like it will plateau out and it will kind of yeah, sort itself it's... out eventually. Yeah. But the, the thing I couldn't understand is why they brought in after four games. Like bring it in yeah. at, at a lower level, trial it first, and then see if it works and bring it in. Whereas NRL and, and league always do that. They just decide next week we're having new rules, lads. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened there, mate. <laughs> yeah. So who's your pick then for the weekend? Panthers and um, the Rabbitohs? Look, listen, I, when I was in Sydney, I lived in Redfern for six years. So... I have a soft spot for Souths. Um, I know the head physio from Penrith. I know a few boys that used to play at the Jets at Penrith as well. Um, I honestly, we Souths did them over really, really well a few weeks ago, but you, you think that Penrith is probably their time and then Souths are losing, lost Latrell Mitchell as well. So, yeah. but then I guess, I don't, honestly, I don't know. Because if, if Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds turn up in the halves, yeah. which they've been doing, it could anything could happen. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it, when you come down to like a player perspective, all the teams have such strong teams, it's hard to separate yeah. them on paper. Everyone thought the season was over. I thought Stormer had it. And yeah. it's just like, they were dropping the ball last week and who knows, mate. Yeah. But from a sports science kind of perspective or a strength and conditioning perspective, do you, like I know they're crazy fit. And even talking to Peter Breen last week, who's working with the Storm, he said they're so fit. They get so, through so much high-speed running. They get through so many sprints and so much intensity throughout the week. But do you think having to play that extra game against the Eels might have an effect in that the Rabbitohs have played one less game than the Panthers? Potentially. Because that game was just insane. Like, yeah. it was what was that? Yeah. That was the 8 6, was it? Or 6 4. They were just yeah. like balls to the wall, as I said earlier, like just working. Yeah. Maybe like if, it, if there's nothing in the game, but I think it just comes down to who 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 performs on the night. Yeah, um, yeah, hundred percent. But and and if it's 50-50, maybe it'll go to the side that's a little bit fresher. Yeah, because I was I was just watching that storm game it, last week, and it was a kick out. Kick out looked to get tired very very early. And they had to pull him off, and I know he's a power based athlete, like, and that's one person. But there was a number of other guys. But like, he's one of their key men, is what I was thinking, and it just seemed to me that. I know he got through an awful lot, but he did seem to fatigue earlier than he usually would. Yeah, and let's let's face it, like this back end of the year, everyone's banged up. Yeah. So you can have you could have everyone's hiding their injuries. There can be underlying injuries. You have no idea what's going on. 
guys are just are just pushing through it. Um, if you don't find out to the end of the year why guys are struggling, mate, it's, it's all the, hush. Yeah, it's all the same. Like, because we're in championship season with the GAA now, and probably shouldn't be saying this, but like, <laughs> like you just have so many lads flagging with different I, things. I, I actually, pro- yeah, I program for quite a few Gaelic footballers, but um, oh, mate, it's yeah, crazy. It's, yeah, and then. Also, I get re- people relay back to me the kind of some of the stuff that the, the high speed meters happen at training. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah, like the volume as well. Like, oh, mate, I'm blessed now. My head coach is so receptive to everything. Like, we've started trialing. Have you heard about Leeds United and they're doing this murder ball? I was talking to Kerr about last week, and it's a condensed form of the game that's incredible high intensity played to your worst case scenario in terms of timings. And then you yep. get full rest and go again. So we've been trialing that and it's been working really, really well just to kind of work on playing fast and playing well okay. fast because yeah. that's what we want to do. And then obviously yeah, I'm you- still using tempos with them on our off weeks because we have a two-week turnaround, thank God, with the football. But unfortunately, about eight of our players are playing both Gaelic football and hurling, which I tried to explain to an English coach um, when I was devising kind of my monitoring tool. He was giving me a hand. I, he said, why do they have two um, training sessions here, two types of training? I said, oh, because some of them are playing two sports. He's mm. like, what do you mean they're playing two sports? I was like, they're playing yeah. two sports. He's like, why? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, if you watch a lot of sevens, um, rugby, I do a lot of that as well. Like the mm. ball goes out, goes straight back in. I mean, I think it's probably pretty good for once a week type thing. You have that yeah. really high intense. So that way you're over game demands. You're playing faster than game speeds. You're exactly. probably in a high and quite hot high anaerobic workload. You probably couldn't do it for like prolonged periods or multiple times a week. I'm not sure. I've never tried it. Yeah. But they're all like trying that. as well. They're always looking for more aerobic work. And I'm kind of like, lads, we're <laughs> we're in the championship season. Like yeah. aerobic is going to be excess now. If we want to do a little bit of off yeah. feet, you can, but I don't want any more on feet load because we're training three times a week and playing a game at the weekend every week. Like, you know, so you're pretty much. Is one just a captain's run? Uh, pretty much, but like yeah. it, you can yeah. say that in Gaelic football, but like it'll usually turn into some sort of high intensity somewhere along the line, even if it's just for 10 minutes and lads just pissed off that they're not playing are trying to yeah. get into the lads that are playing, which is good as well because you need competition. Yeah. But like, is that is, and that's the day before? Uh, no, that, it'll be two that, days before 48. Oh, okay, 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 cool. Yeah, cool. yeah. so yeah, we, call cap, we call captain's runs over here. So it's, it's the day before the game. Yeah, I tried to explain yeah, sure. team run to one of the lads yesterday because I'm more from a rugby background and we would have team run, same as you're saying there, like yeah. the day before where you go through couple, things. Just a couple of K's, couple yeah. of K's, short, sharp, because some a lot of guys will feel flat if they do nothing the day before. So even like with a lot of my online clients, I'll just say, hey, Here's a little primer, two to three sets, three exercises, yeah. low eccentric stress, get the nervous system fired up. If you want to add 15 minutes on the bike or something, mm. you know, just to get a little bit of a blowout and you tend to go in a bit, feeling yeah. a bit better. hundred yeah. percent. Leaving yourself kind of stagnant, especially for these lads that are used to training consistently, it doesn't yeah. improve their performance at all. And I've been like, we've been using the primer prior to um, championship games now as well. And they're loving it. Like that, like, yeah, the rule that I was kind of using with them and to explain to them as well is I want you leaving feeling like you could have and should have done more here, but that everything that you did was done at a very, very high intensity. So like it's all, we've been doing a good bit of like a few plyos, bit of med ball, and then just a little bit of 
say velocity based stuff prior to it and really low volume with really high rest and it's also yeah. just good for getting the lads in and getting around each other the day before a game like um, yeah. and just having a bit of VR and having a bit of chat and relaxing a little bit and then head yeah. away and we'll meet up tomorrow and we'll go get a win hopefully yeah nice so then I just wanted to touch on the work that you're doing with all of these athletes in lockdown because I've seen from the videos you're doing a lot of on-pitch stuff and you're yeah. doing a lot of tempos, a lot of change of direction work. What are the stuff that you're seeing and what are the, well, it's very individual, I'm sure, but what are the places that people can work that they're mm. kind of not getting in season usually? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, at the moment, I'm just training one soccer athlete um on the field and we've been doing probably twice a week together and then I've, I've been doing his online for quite a while but at the moment in those two field sessions we're doing is like a max velocity um plus curves and then the other day we're doing acceleration plus change of direction yeah and it's really high speed meters he moves really that. well man first of all yeah i wish we should pull out the videos when he started completely yeah. different yeah completely different yeah. yeah, I was really impressed with how he's moving. And uh, you can take yeah. all of that credit, obviously. He's <laughs> <laughs> a quick learner and he loves and he also loves the uh, the process behind and he's very interested. I'll send him through articles and he'll read them and stuff like that. Yeah. Um he's a he's a PT himself. Okay. So yeah. Those guys but, are um, easy enough to kind of coach because you can just throw information at them and they'll just absorb it and take it on. Listen, dealing with any private efforts is easy because they come to you and they pay you. That you've already got buy-in. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> They're paying you, like, hey, you go, this is what we're doing. Sweet, yeah. let's go. It's a lot different to working with a team. So then when you're doing those change of direction sessions, I was just kind of interested. I see you doing a lot of lateral shuffle work, a little bit of crossovers, yeah. jab step a little bit. Do you kind yeah. of decide yourself based on the athlete how much of each of those they need in that where yeah. they're not strongest or where they need to work on? Yeah, to be honest with you, it's kind of like, what do you want to work on today? Okay. Um, what I, what do you want to work on? What do I think you work on? Um, a lot of the time, I'm designing it, drew on a spot. Obviously, yeah. I kind of know what I'm doing, but like, I got people messaging me, oh, what's the dimensions of that curve? I don't bloody, how would I know? I'm just developing the curves the way I see it. And quite often, there's change of direction drills. I'm actually making slight changes each one. So it's a different, slightly, yeah. you're getting that. Bit of variability there, you know what I mean? For example, we you, uh, you might have seen on my story, he did an A cell to a shuffle, A cell to a shuffle. And we, you know, I've, I like using video and you're showing me, like, hey, okay, see this here. Um, you shuffle quite a few times leading into to, to, to D cell. Um, and then you, when you come out of the shuffle, your shin angles went right, you know, to be optimal to yeah. come out. So this next one, let's let's try and break later. So hit it quicker, break later, break quickly. You know, you're going to save yourself 0.2, 0.2 of a second. And that's what we worked on for the next four reps. And then from the first rep to the last rep, you look at it and you go, Jesus, that's completely different. Um, but you also know the joint for people go, oh, change of direction. It's not, for me, change of direction is simply um, strength training, specific strength training. It's high um, eccentric actions, high fast eccentric actions you know the loading in that's huge like in these, some of these positions and guess what if you can't do that in a closed chain setting how are you going to do it in the game and the, and the other thing is like people go oh they're doing all this um in the game yeah they're doing like shit you know that's what they're doing you know they move like they move like rubbish 
they don't. And the other thing is like, if an athlete doesn't doesn't have the tool to do it, they're not going to be able to do it on the field. So you got to you teach them all the different tools, and then they will decide what works for them, what doesn't work for them. And you will see that like if you work with someone religiously and do that over time, and you film a few sessions at the start and look at the back end, like it's completely different. And hundred percent that transfers. People like yeah, you know what I mean. Hundred percent. That's why the variability is huge as well, isn't it? Because like you're exposing them to things that if they get exposed to in the game, now they know how to deal with that situation or that position. Yeah, I mean, it's not the whole part, but it's still a part. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 and obviously, like, in the continuum of, of like, um, it's going to be, you know, closed to open to chaos. Like, you're not doing that stuff all the time. But, like, at the moment, when, when people aren't allowed to work in teams and that, this is your best scenario other than me pointing a little bit, which is not really that specific anyway, but you're still getting a slight, you know, a little yeah. bit more agility it's halfway in that continuum, but obviously you're going to be closed to open. If you're working with a team at the start, you're going to be working in a closed fashion, very, very basic. And then these, these um, closed chain direction drills are going to get more um, complex over time. Then they become reactive in with maybe a couple of players and you can have more players and then it is into game scenarios really and then you're just putting a few of these change of direction movements in throughout this in season just watering them into the water warm-ups simple as that i think yeah. um what you're saying there like it comes down to these people that are asking you typically have a very black and white kind of opinion of what you're doing and they'll ask you well is that a closed drill or an open drill you're like well it's neither and it's both <laughs> you oh, know what yeah. i mean mate like people you know the problem with a lot of people this is like um, Go on, tell us. <laughs> they, put, they put constraints on themselves. Like there's certain rules that yeah. they have to adhere to. Someone messaged me the other day and said, "Hey, um, you know your um, accelerator. I saw that you did an acceleration. Why did you do um, a rolling start, 10 meter start into a 30 meter sprint? Isn't that max velocity?" And I was like, "This acceleration, then you're going to hit max velocity at the back end. Like, like, who cares?" Like, yeah, it doesn't have to be on, within this model all the time. Like, it's good to overstep the line a little bit. I said, you're still accelerating, mate. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. you know what I mean? Like, and and I always get asked, oh, what is a specific? I'm like, for example, I, I I've been doing that multi-directional tempo for six, seven years, and the most asked question I ever got was, um, what is the? How do you do it? What's the circuit? I'm like. No, no. I said, you decide what you want to work on. You work in these parameters. I work with 20 seconds work, 40 seconds recovery, at about 70% of max effort. And then you get back. But what are the movements and what's the set distances? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> I'm changed. feeling that day. like. Yeah, what I think I have to work on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So... But that's because yeah. people want to control. They want control over everything and they want it to I go exactly people, to plan. Yeah, I think people are quite scared to like, they're scared to do something themselves and to see the results. I was quite lucky. When I, when I went to Newtown, like, I was there for five seasons and my head coach let me do whatever I wanted. All right? And even though I was aligned to an um, NRL club, we trained off-site. So I didn't really have any pressure from anyone what I wanted to do. So I just did what I wanted. And if something made sense to me and I adhered to the principles that I had in place, I was like, I'm doing this. And at the time, everyone was just doing mass running. Yeah. That's all it was. That's all it was, mass running. 
I mean, you know, now you're seeing all these other drills come in place. Like all my lactate and, and my, my drills now, I just created them myself. Okay, yeah. what gets guys tired in a game? For me, well, guys weren't getting tired in attack. They'll get retired from repeat effort, tackling, going back to 10 metres and, and doing that. So, okay, my anaerobic block, that's what I'm going to be working on. It's, it's still, I'm still going to have some uh, high speed, um, some mass like running to a degree, but that wasn't really what was getting them tired. It was like the repeat effort, high intensity, high intensity, you know, change the direction, bang, bang, shuffle, yeah. hit the ground, get up. So that's kind of what I was three weeks of um, preseason. That's what we worked on. That's that critical thinking, though. You need that as you a coach. Those- and I think like a lot of people tend to go and use somebody else's system or somebody else's processes because it mm. removes the blame from them if it doesn't work. Well, if you say, oh, well, it was his, it, I used his system and it didn't work. So that's not my fault. Um, and they don't yeah. actually identify what's going on and have a look and say, look, this is what I'm going to do. And the other thing, as a coach, like we're talking, it's an art and a science and you have 100%. to be able to think on the fly. So you can turn mm. up to a session and there's going to be something you didn't expect and you might have to throw out a drill like I yeah. had to do it last night. I, I had planned a session and then I had less athletes than I thought. And I was like, right, well, this isn't going to work anymore. What am I going to do? take 10 seconds, right? That will work. That will work. Right. Let's do this instead. Yeah. And that's, and that's much, the job. Like, and then, like, what about when you have like a set up plan, this is a conditioning plan and you go in and the coach goes 10 minutes, before, Hey, uh, this is what I want to work in the conditioning today. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, I've got all these numbers here. You know, I planned your seat up. No, no, no. This is what we need to work on. So <laughs> you just come up with it. Like that's what you do. You adapt. Um, you know, people, Oh, where's it? The, and then people say, Oh, where's the research? My team is the research. <laughs> okay. This population of people I'm working with is my research right now. I'll use research now to, to try and um, gather principles and um, work out what's going to work. But even in the research, people aren't going to have the same things that happen to you. Do they have the same amount of training sessions? Do they have the same amount of games? Do they have the same um, age? No, it's all over the shop, you know? You know um, and a lot of people in a semi-professional setting that are you're trying to use this NRL. Well, these guys are working um, all day and they're stuck behind a shovel. They're laboring. Yeah. You just got to, you got to work, have principles in mind, use critical thinking, um, go with what you think, measure it, assess it, um, see how the athletes not respond to it. Is it good? Is it not good? Does the coach buy into it? There's so many different things you just got to put together. But I think a lot of people just need to learn to back themselves a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And from what you're saying there, like I know you love testing throughout the season and that is, I suppose, as well to show that you're improving and seeing if you are improving for yourself and for the athletes. Because I think testing as a tool most of the time is validating what you're doing and building yeah. confidence in your athletes so they can see, yeah. look, I am improving. I'm better than what I was at the start of the season. Yeah, to a degree. I mean, it's also hard to for certain um markers to test in season because the sport's so chaotic in nature that you know i'm not doing i'm not doing a mass or a time trial in season or anything like that but that's what's really hard to sometimes to assess transfer because there's there's some years where i put really really good programs in place and we sucked and it's probably early earlier on where i probably had a uh, my program wasn't as good but we killed it and it come back to just having the players you got so yeah, look, it is hard to assess transfer, but you, you, you can look on the game. Like, how are these guys playing? Are yeah. they fresh? Are they standing up? I mean, that's your, that's your best visual. 
I think. Um, and I think, you know, going into video sessions, listen to the head coach, watching the video, what's happening, um, how the players respond, how they're feeling. Because you're never going to really be able to, um, you can look at GPS, but that's always going to be different as well, depending on what's happening in the game. And then really like a, a time trial test is probably not going to, in terms of conditioning, it doesn't really. It tells you if someone's fit or unfit, really. Um, in season, your testing is the game. Did you win? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Guess and not even did you win, but how did you perform, even if you lost? Yeah, and just keep them on the park, mate. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Tom, tell me about it. <laughs> if that's the number one, as a strength and conditioning coach, it's the number one thing, just keep guys on the park. Yeah, um, and keep them happy as well and content with what they're doing. Like Because a lot of the time, the lads that will come to me post-game that might be feeling a little bit banged up or whatever, and they're doing, say, stuff separate from the side – you still have to kind of bargain with them and think, right, they're not coming up here to just work on physical qualities. They don't want to just do some conditioning and some sprint work, acceleration work, change of direction. They want to actually get a ball in their hands. So what can I allow them to get involved in that has the lowest risk on flaring up whatever it is that they're suffering from at the moment? Um, And then periodically and systematically just increase the amount that you are allowing them to do and then if they're responding well to it then get them back yep. to playing football and away from you as soon as possible yeah and also i think sometimes you know athletes need a certain thing and it they might be a bit of a fight back but if you can explain the process to them mm-hmm. um then you know you got to use certain things that they can kind of that feels important to them so they can grasp onto it and then when i do see that um I think they're more likely to adhere to it, you know. It's like one, I remember we used to, I brought in this years ago, we're doing all this Chris Corfus, like foot rocker stuff and all this and some of the Tongan boys were like, what's this? Why are we doing this? What's, you know? You don't want to do anything like, anyway, mate. No, I was like, listen, okay, uh, they all love basketball, right? You know, if you look at Michael Jordan, he's got the strongest feet in the world, you know, I'll say something like this, just some rubbish. He's got yeah. his real strong feet, you know, hits these positions, look at this, which whoever, use an athlete they like, you know? And I go, oh, yeah, okay. Then you get buy into it, you know? Like, all of a sudden, someone that they um, look up to, you know? And not just Tongans, everyone, because no one wants to do that. I know, I know, I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> but they got the flattest feet you've ever seen, flatter than yeah. mine, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's... You have to be good at that as well as a coach, don't you? Just thinking up metaphors and thinking up analogies 100%. on the spot because you have yeah. everybody has kind of their go tos for explaining certain things. But yeah. I was trying to explain why we were, um, because we had cramp in one of the games, a few lads experienced cramp. So then I was on before the match, I was giving them all vitamins, minerals, etc., and having all energy drinks with uh, different kind of quantities of whatever I had in them sodium potassium before the game and somebody asked me why are we doing this if then if they drink enough water will that not solve the problem and I found myself I don't know if in Australia you probably have Robinson's dilute so like it's called my wadi here in Ireland but it's like um, a really concentrated drink that you mix with water and then yeah. it's like an orange right. drink and then you drink it yeah so i was i used that to explain i was like so we do you know when you're drinking robinson's or you're drinking my wadi 
And if you drank it straight, it'd be far too concentrated. Think of that as if you had no water, but then equally, if you put too much water in it, it's not water shit anyway, because you can't taste what's in it. So what we're trying to get is the perfect amount of balance between our uh, minerals and our salts that are in the body and the water. And they were like, yeah, yeah I actually get that now. Like, so, and I just pulled that out of my arse, as I said. Like, and it, but <laughs> or, the thing is, or it works. Or you just make them drink pickle juice. And it's absolutely horrible. And I'll drink the electrolytes first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they won't, they won't drink it. Like is the other thing. And then like I was going around on the pitch and um, I just thought we had to get on some carbs in the game. And this is, this is funny now, but um, so I suggested I'll just get some skills and we'll just, I'll go around and I'll give the lads skills during the game and they can, they can eat them and then get back into playing. And the coach said, no, I'm going to get some energy gels. So he got about 20 energy gels that they had never used before. And I had two bags of Skittles. So I went around at the water breaks with the Skittles and the energy gels. The two share bags of Skittles were gone. How many of the energy gels were, there, were gone? Um, well, when I, when I was at Newtown, I used One to hand leg. out the, the lollies, right? These packets of lollies. Yeah. But if I, you had to try and prevent them from like whoever the support staff was, was putting too many out before a game. Yeah. Because you look across... <laughs> I nearly, I think I nearly got diabetes from eating so bloody so many snakes, you know. Yeah. Um, always lolly. We look across. And go, it's like, like, let's take those away. Only leave a few out. And bring a few more at half time, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, the same thing. Like I had Jaffa cakes there as well, in case anybody liked Jaffa cakes, didn't like Skittles or whatever. Nobody had any Jaffa cakes, but there was still one box of Jaffa cakes got missing at the end of the game because the subs were down there on the bench just munching like. <laughs> <laughs> Some keeper absolutely tearing into it. He knows he's not coming on. <laughs> but yeah, at least, at, least the, at least the boys like you, and then that way you might might have a job the following year. <laughs> exactly, that's true. Actually, I didn't even think about it like that. So, um, obviously, you're you're working with a lot of combat sport athletes, as you said, and that's got to be like very challenging because it it's the way that they fight is very individual. So they use kind of the qualities that they're strongest in. And I know that a lot of them, anyway, from my perspective, the strength and conditioning stuff that they've done before they probably connect with you isn't probably of the highest degree. They're probably doing ultra specific stuff that they think crossovers straight into how to, how they punch. So a lot of the stuff that you do with them is probably general. So what are you doing with those guys and how's it going with them and what are kind of the gaps there that need filling? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's quite important because fighters tend to overtrain anyway. So I'm looking, I'm looking at the moment in Melbourne, face to face. I've got a Lion Muay Thai world champion, and I've got this other guy, River. Um, he's strange champ Muay Thai, but he also he fights in Glory, um, okay, kickboxing. Yeah. So he's top ten, but obviously he hasn't been in a fight fight um, with that because of COVID. But one of them had like a, a higher training age, and the other one had very little. So we just we just worked on basic movements, very, very basic on, on one of the guys. But it's, it's, I don't know, I kind of, I kind of have like, a, a, I use a lot of David Gray type mobility stuff at the start. Um, these guys tend to get really stiff for their hips. Um, so we, we make sure they've got sagittal plane competency, um, frontal plane, they can shift their hips, stuff like that, because all the kicking, repeat kicking, yeah. they can get really stiff. So we put a lot of that stuff in, a lot of shoulder scap work, some neck work, and then, I'd probably, I tend to have like some type of plyometric, um, depending on where they are, it'll be extensive or intensive. Yeah. Depending if they just come, just come out of fight, it'd be very extensive in nature. Um, as they're leading up, it's going to be more intensive. Um, the, the volume drops off. 
and then that's the same like with my strength movements um it'll it'll depend you know if it outside of a fight you might have a little bit higher reps the exercise will be quite basic and then they'll intensify and become more like more velocity focused yeah. as they get closer to fights um accessories just pretty basic just to get that that, that general strength um and then Med ball, same thing as the plyos, extensive to intensive, depending on what we're doing. And then we work on things like wrist strength, shoulder strength. We're looking at things that are going to gonna try and increase that force output of their strikes. So you're looking at, you know, that relax, sorry, contract, relax, contract. So we started playing around, I've started playing around with like oscillatory isometrics, those type of things. Um, so my... in my peaking phase, oh, you, I'll probably, you'll probably see a lot more of that stuff. I do that reflexive trimetrics. Carl Dietz method. It's more of a plyometric method. Um, you're taking away the ankle complex, um, which is quite important for strikers because a lot of the power comes from your hips. So you're loading guys up with the bands. Their feet can't come off the ground, and just getting as many reps as possible in. In like I usually use like seven seconds because it's it's kind of like the yeah, um, yeah. lactic energy system. And then I think with a lot of the oscillatory isometrics and all that stuff. Because you're using a lighter weight as well, you're kind of deloading the guys because when they're in fight camp, they've got so much sparring and stuff like that as well that you're trying to reduce the eccentric strength. So I found some really great results in that stuff, but is it because of the methods that I'm using or is it because I'm deloading them at this time of year? I'm not sure. But yeah, I, I mean, I'd probably say it's just very basic strength training, all covering all different movements. Some plyometrics, some some med ball work, and then I'm looking to bring resiliency around those certain areas that you are prone to injury in the sport, and that's pretty similar to a lot of sports, you know. Doesn't have to be uh, complicated though, doesn't it? No, that's the what I was thinking yeah. there when you said like a well structured training program that takes into account like the demands of the sport, like and you're hitting everything there. You have your plyos, you have your max strength stuff, you have a little mm. bit of robustness. Uh, yep. You have your ISOs, you have your med balls, you have like everything you would in a general training program. I suppose yeah, the I only mean, difference is oscillatory ISOs, which I thought you did a fantastic job of pronouncing there a couple of times. And I was worried yeah. about they pronounced it well. But oh, um, and I, I struggle to speak English as it is, mate. So these words are a bit tough for me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I found some really good stuff. I enjoy it. Um, the, the, the athletes really like it because they feel like it, it, it carries over to their striking. It's because, especially with like a striking sport, at the end of the day, it's very ballistic, you know? Yeah. Um, very, very ballistic. I and mean, then obviously we, we do, I do some specific clinch, clinch work as well. So yeah. that's more overcoming isometrics. We do some clinch work because at the end of the day, you got to remember, you know, the power output of a movement depends on technical mastery and motor potential. And then you're not really, in, in when, you, when you're clinching someone, you're not fully, fully going crazy. A lot of it's manipulation and technique. Yeah. Um, whereas when I do the overcoming isometrics with the guys, I'm getting them to try and pop these med balls. So you yeah. get some good force, good force output, good rate of force development there. I um, mean, those specific movements. Yeah. Because those are the two things that I wanted to touch on then was the oscillatory isos and the clinch work, because those are two things that would be applicable to not just combat sport athletes, but contact sport athletes as well especially rugby league i'm sure but there are two things that like with the oscillatory like i've only experimented with them with hamstring issues and yep. hamstring rehab programs uh, i haven't mm. i haven't really experimented upper body wise with them at all um, yeah and even getting the athletes to do it for their hamstring sometimes maybe it's an irish thing as well if you do anything yeah. different you're kind of like what what are, you, what are we doing this for but to be honest with you 
Yeah, to be honest with you, I didn't put the oscillatory stuff into any rugby teams. Um, I kind of played around it when I left. But if you look at my template, my power template, it's a big, well, a lot of my online clients all do it. Um, and, the, and the feedback from them is they love it. Yeah. And I also think it's because guys have just done so much force output lifting for so long and they haven't worked on these other qualities that are really, really important. Like rate of force development, um, and then just ability of the muscle to switch on and off really, really quickly. Yeah, contract, that's relax, what, like that's what movement like is at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so when do you put that stuff into the program then? Do you typically do, say, your max strength or your max power stuff at the start and then do that afterwards or you do that when they're freshest? Uh, it depends. Yeah, it depends. It tends to be... Depends what you're trying to get out of it, I suppose. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I can't really give you a proper answer because it all depends on the There athlete, is none, yeah. The sport, um, yeah. And like it was different. What I do for league would be different to what I do with a combat athlete. Yeah. And also, I use it with a lot more combat athletes because I use it as a peaking method. And they they will have multiple fights per year. You know, if you have five mm. fights per year, I'm doing fight doing it five times a year. You know what I mean? Like, whereas in, if you're looking at it like a, a a sport, you're probably only getting three four weeks of it because at the end of the preseason. So then the clinch work stuff you haven't experimented that with any league athletes or have you in lockdown because they probably haven't had the utility of having that much equipment i suppose in victoria or in wherever is in yeah. lockdown no, I, haven't put any, at the moment. I haven't put that in any, any money just my more tie fighters with that type of stuff and the other thing is like in uh, i guess with league athletes and all that they're getting a lot of wrestle work in in, in place already because whenever whenever i was with when i was at west tigers they had a um one day a week they just wrestled 90, 90 minutes um, proper, they have wrestling coach, they have wrestle room, mate. It's padded. If you want to see um, brutality, <laughs> it's worse than the games. <laughs> Go to a wrestle room. And then even at Newtown, we had a wrestle coach that did a lot of stuff. So it wasn't really my role there. Mm. Um, but, but that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah they had like, a specialist I, to take care of it. Yeah, but like, I think that, like, have you seen Andy Rylands? I think a lot of that stuff will go into my GP, it goes into my GPP program. Like, you know, even like my templates now, I do guys are doing like the bear calls and the rotations and all that. That's part of it, um, the GPP program at the very start. Um, and then if I was if I was in league, I'd probably play around with some of those, um, you know, those um, kind of those wars and hand fighting and all that stuff. And you can put it into your warm ups and stuff, potentially before weights, potentially before a contact session in the field. But you know, it all depends. And to be honest with you, like. I know you're, gonna, you're thinking about asking this later, but you were talking about like tempo and how do you get buy-in and stuff. I put a lot of that stuff, the pummeling in, um, the crawling in between with extensive tempo efforts. So you do 20 seconds or 18, 20 seconds of, of, of tempo work. I mean, pair up, let's do bang, 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 bang. You might only do 10, 15 seconds, then I get another 15 seconds rest. But because it's not on the legs, it's more on the upper body or you're doing bear crawls, then that's how I kind of built that work capacity up. And no one thinks it's low intensity end because um, mm. it doesn't look low intensity. But it's also, it's a little bit more anaerobic, I suppose, then because they're doing a powerful slightly, activity slightly. beforehand. That's what Kerr would have said. Uh, no, no, and no, he, no. he does the pummeling the, and it may yeah, last depends. a little bit longer as well, I suppose, rather depends than 15-15. Yeah, it depends on how hard you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I started bringing in with the footballers because I was doing the same thing, the tempos, and they weren't exactly like loving it. And um, they could see the value in it, but they're like, like I think Australians are the same. They just love hard work, 
Irish people yeah. just love hard stuff and they think they can't get anything unless they're working hard. So what yeah. I brought in and came from Andy Ryland as well is we're now doing a shoulder battle pre-tempo. Quick okay. shoulder battle, side yeah. on, side on, or a hip battle. And then yeah. um, into, they're in season now, so they're not doing too many red sessions, but into a tempo, uh, just a tempo run. Or if we are doing a red session or a high volume session, they might have shoulder battle, change of direction, tempo. Um, and they yeah. love that stuff. They're, they've just yeah. eaten that stuff up because, and they're getting so much exposure to contacts that they wouldn't necessarily get in training. As you said, I've started yeah. to microdose that stuff in to warm ups, and they're absolutely loving it. Like just even if sitting beside each other, knees kneeling down beside each other, shoulder on shoulder, hip on hip, trying to knock the other yeah. guy over. And they're yeah. working on body manipulation, which is what you said. Like, um, rugby league do very very well in working in, on the wrestle and the grapple and rugby union are only starting in the last few years to get on top of that stuff and then i wanted to ask you your opinion on the new contact root contact laws in training mm. in rugby union which are basically you can only get through a certain amount of contact in a week which is a good thing because they don't want people doing too much and running into concussion kind of or running into any sort of additional load kind of issues but the, the thing is like i i feel Almost. like it's the people that have made these decisions don't actually understand like training principles because they've said you can only go 15 minutes full high intensity contact 40 minutes extensive and 30 minutes live set piece but you know yourself you, like the how, minutes how do you control that yeah so what they're doing is they've developed this uh mouth guard or gum shield that they're given to all the teams and that's going to measure the contacts in, in a week, essentially. Um, I don't know how accurate that's going to be, but I just think putting it down to minutes doesn't actually give you a quality. It gives you a quantitative, but it doesn't give you a qualitative of what you're getting through. And it doesn't yeah. actually take into account that we're actually trying to increase the amount of contacts we get in a week, even extensively and increase the density of them so that we can tolerate yeah. more so that we improve on field and there's less of a risk on field. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't know how much exactly they're getting, but I think if there's a, a coach that does too much contact, maybe that might be beneficial for a team. But if a lot of teams already had it right in place, I mean, how many concussions are happening in training? I wouldn't say there's that many. Mm. I don't think. Agreed. Because it doesn't make doesn't make sense. And I think over the last few years, a lot of clubs um, have, have a lot of player welfare. A lot of people brought this in place. People realise now that you got to look after the head. And I think even from the coaching staff above, they all understand that. But the, the, the problem is if you put a limitation on this stuff, it's like, how does it feel when you've done nothing and you go into play a game for the first time? You absolutely you feel broken. So when I, when I do sparring, um, Muay Thai now, if I take two weeks off sparring and I go sparring, I feel like an old man. Oh, I am an old man now. I'm 38. <laughs> but I feel broken for days. But if I'm sparring twice a week for religiously, yeah, I'm taking the same amount of hits. I don't feel it. The next day, I'm fine. That's my you thing. Feel, like I, I don't think yeah, that it's going to work. It builds up. It, it builds armor to a degree for sure. I, I, even if you speak to like a furniture removalist, yeah. How do you keep going, guys? The hardest job ever. How do you do this? Don't stop. If I stop, I feel broken when I go back to work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, There's so, one of your I, analogies there now that we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure. Look. It's probably coming from the right place, but I don't know if the if it's going to end up being beneficial. It's the yeah. same argument that has been made before that they wanted to take out 
tackling in rugby union prior to under 14s or something like that and like how do you expect them to just turn 14 and be able to tackle then is it not better for them to get more tackling in at lower intensity with smaller human beings so that they improve their technique so that then when they do get bigger yeah like i don't know but like when i played those sports when i was a kid i never had that sore head or anything i can't that i remember like you know, it's, it's always controlled. Like whoever's in place is not trying to um, bash kids or anything. They're not trying to kill them. It's always under control. Hey, guys, this is put your head positions in the wrong place. Do it. Just put this here. You know, that's what people are teaching you at those ages. I think the problem arises when you've just got a monster on the field just bulldozing everyone. But, you know, I don't think kids are necessarily getting hurt from that. No. I don't know. I haven't been watching too many kids. But, it, <laughs> but it'd be better to prepare for that scenario rather than yeah, just like just prevent watch, it by not preparing it. It's like just, just don't don't watch don't watch more Thai kids fight because then you'd be like, oh <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they yeah. absolutely ripping. Like my, my coach back in Sydney, he had his first fight when he was seven. Like no headgear, shin on shin, everything. He's had over 200 fights. <laughs> yeah and his his resilience and robustness is probably like next level now as well like because like his body's just had to figure it out he's not broken but he might be well, he in some areas yeah he's one, well yeah I, he's made it through the system and he's pretty good i don't know what happened to the rest <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's the kind of the u.s kind of model the same thing as canelo though canelo started when he was like 14 didn't he and now try and hit him like you can't hit him yeah. because he's just he's developed to a stage where he he can see and perceive everything and just avoid it essentially and his skills are at that level um right so we might as well transition into talking about the big australian in the news at the moment then since we're talking about combat sports which is volkanovsky and his performance at the weekend which was just outrageous because i know you're a big uh, mma fan and you were probably watching it you didn't get to go to the pub as you said but i'm sure you could still enjoy it yeah oh mate i um I still bought some beers and I, I bought I bought it and put it on my TV. I um, shouted myself because I, that was my treat for the weekend. Um, oh, it was unbelievable. The, the issue is is because people want to hate on Volkanovski because they love Max Holloway so much. That's why I feel like worldwide he's not really got any recognition. Everyone thinks he lost that last fight, but he won the first one. Like he, he won that first one against Holloway. Um, the second one was super close. There wasn't much in it. I think in that second fight, I think Holloway probably did more damage. But if you're going from a, a, a point system, which they kind of are, it was very, very close. And then to say it was a robbery, I wouldn't call it a robbery. And then on top of that, you got to take away from the champion. And Holloway wasn't the champion at the time. So I think he cops a lot, a lot of shit because of that situation. And people haven't really been giving him his um, dues. And now, obviously, he's come out and done that on the weekend. I mean, that third, that third round was probably... The, one of the best rounds I've ever seen. It was just, it was mental. Like Ortega said, he was he was gargling, like he had it that tight. He could hear him gargling, and next thing you know, he's just raining down. He gets caught again. He's like, nah, it's not happening today. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking, like, how do you go from being choked out to like throwing punches of that volume and that intensity? Do you know what I mean? Mate, like, even if he's on the floor and you're just raining down on him, but he just was, got up I like was, it was nothing. Like. I was standing up and my legs went jelly. Like I had an adrenaline rush watching it. Like I actually had no, I was like, what's going on here? Like, this is mental. It nearly got stopped. I think. Yeah. Like 
Like at the, uh, Herb was ready to jump in, what, but like the other thing is well, no, Ortega even, was even, doing just enough. Oh, the, the choke is what you're talking no, about. No, I'm talking about after the third round, Ortega couldn't even oh, get yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. oh. and, and then all of a sudden he just he he just somebody he said just, something in the corner, I'm sure like he's oh, gonna stop it, and freak. he just got straight up. He's absolutely he's a, hard as nails. The only th- the only thing I'm worried about him is he's had a couple of wars now, and then like obviously Rory McDonald had a couple of wars like that as well, yeah. which kind of um sent him down. But hopefully, hopefully that doesn't happen to Ortega. This is awesome. But yeah, um, I mean Volkan, he's a beast, mate. Like, yeah. And, and if you watch, if you watch him, I don't know if it's a city keep boxing thing. Like his feints, his feints are so crazy. He's short as, but he's always landing his jabs and he's not getting hit. For someone so short, it's unbelievable how someone can get in and out, in and out. It just and it's doesn't the the work rate doesn't stop. No, that's yeah. the thing that like stands out is that he just keeps coming and keeps coming. But I think as well, like what you said there about people hating on him, I think like it is apparent in every sport, but because it's so subjective, like if it goes to points, people that are a fan of one fighter will always say that that fighter has won mm. or they think listen, that they've won. I think he's got a lot more recognition, a lot more admirers after that weekend. I think uh, a lot of people are like, hey, hang on, this guy is like... He's won 20 straight. Yeah. <laughs> like, after then, what he did there, is just, I think people will go, hang on, you know, I think a lot more people are going to be signing up to watch his next fight now. Yeah, yeah, that's why I wanted to ask. Like, obviously, in Ireland, we have a number of high-profile fighters that aren't really perceived too well. I'm not even going to name names. But uh, what is the views on himself and Whitaker inside the country of Australia? Yeah, they like that. I mean... They're loved, are they? How can he not like Rob Whitaker? Like, he's such a nice guy, you know. He's just honest. You can you can tell by the way he comes across. Yeah, I mean, MMA is blowing up quite a bit over here, I think. I think there's a lot of good fighters coming through. I trained just down the road at uh, Absolute MMA. They got they got a lot of high-quality fighters coming out of there. And down the, down the road at Resilience, um, it's probably about 10, 15 k's away, you've got um, Jake Matthews and Jimmy Crute, who are also really good. Yeah. And then from a fan point of view, do you think that the timings kind of helps or is it deterrent because it's usually on a Sunday kind oh, of sun, afternoon? It's on a Sunday at 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock. Is there anything better than drinking beers with the boys at a pub Sunday lunchtime? No. It's unbelievable. Yeah, like, was. When the gyms were open, I had a lot of dusty 5 a.m. wake-ups on a Monday. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. That's a big thing in, in Australia as well. Like Sunday's a big big day for drinking. And that's one thing that when I was down there anyway, I thought was great was that people start drinking earlier, but they also, well, not all the time, but some of the time they finish drinking earlier. Yeah, yeah. So like, like when I went to um South America, people went like going out for dinner to 10 o'clock. I was like, I'm I'm hammered already. What's going on here? <laughs> people aren't even out. So you've got to change your whole outlook, you know. I lived in London for three years and I think. I think the Irish and England and Australia is all quite similar. Um, yeah, definitely. The pub, the pub culture and how everyone gets around sport and stuff like that. You know, I think they were all very similar. Like that. Yeah. So talking about getting around sport, I wanted yeah. to ask the opinion of someone that isn't particularly in union circles, as you said, of what the Australian public think of the Wallabies at the moment or in recent years, because obviously the ARU hasn't been running very mm. very well um and there's like union is probably fourth in the pecking order in terms of sports in in the country yes yeah, it's, it's 
it's been quite sad to see what happened to you. Um, I feel like people don't really care that much about it at the moment in Australia. Um, I mean, you always got your diehards, but I don't know how they're going to change it because I think it happens from the grassroots up. Like it just seems to be private school boys. And obviously rugby league got a massive foothold in New South Wales and Queensland because it's more of a working class type sport. And I think people relate to it a bit more. But I, I don't know. Like when I, I remember when I was growing up, Wallabies was huge. I remember 2003 when Sterling Mortlock got an intercept against the All Blacks. Then we ended up losing to Johnny Wilkinson and that. But like back then, everyone watched the Wallabies. And, and, and now, you know, it doesn't really get much media coverage. So it's quite sad because I feel like when the Wallabies are, are, are going, are firing, like, it, it, like, it makes everything better. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like AFL and um, Rugby League have really got the, know, the stronghold in the sports over here. I think those two sports to- as well probably give the players a little bit of a more of a chance to be themselves and be authentic on on the world stage. Like kind of in union, you're kind of told don't overstep the mark, be very respectful all the time, and don't have don't try and have a bit of crack. They're getting better at it, but that's something that the NRL do really really well. Like in their post game interviews, in their chats, even with the referee, like it's more kind of human. Well, that's because it's probably where the athletes come from. You can't stop these boys. <laughs> you know, a lot of these players are probably brought up a bit rougher than guys that have come through the uh, private school system. You know what I mean? And you've got these characters in that and you, you, can't, you can't stop these guys from talking. I mean, what you're probably seeing is probably only a quarter of what they want to say. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You've got a lot of characters. And that's the best thing about working in rugby league, mate. I, I, I love working in rugby league. It's awesome. It's just the, the boys, the people involved, um, the support staff. Oh, the, 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 you know, the diehard fans. It's just it's crazy. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I grew up playing Aussie rules. I'm from Western Australia. That's a mad West, like, you know, it's all AFL there. So I, AFL, Victoria, where I am now, is AFL. South Australia is AFL. Um, they're all mad for AFL. And then you've got, uh, but mind you, Melbourne Storm do, do all right in Victoria, but there's only one team. But yeah, then you got you know league. Mate, you couldn't bring another team in there because <laughs> you won't be able to compete. Like, um, but you know what? I hope I hope Union um, sorts itself out or sorts its yeah, shit be, out. Yeah, it'd be good, mate. Because at the end of the day, let's face it, like it, like rugby's worldwide is huge. They need to speed um, it up, though, is the thing as well that I think Australians don't like about it at the moment. It's, is it's just so slow. Stop. So stop, start, kick. And I think unless you know the rules, ins and outs, and you can... Um, oh, mate, nobody knows the ins and outs. But, like, if you, <laughs> but you know what I mean? If you, yeah. unless, unless you've brought up and you know, okay, this is why this is happening. From an outsider trying to um, probably, if they see that, they're probably going, okay, this is a bit slow. Yeah, 100%. Is that what you think? I don't, yeah. Uh, I was talking to Peter Breen about this last week and we were saying how in union, as you said, it's very stop start. But I think the scrum is great. This yep. like the scrum is really enjoyable to watch, as you said, once you know what's going on. But yep. it's kind of contradictory at times because they want to keep the scrum there and they want to mm-hmm. keep them fighting for the ball. But at the moment, they're allowing the team that has the ball to just put it into their side of the scrum. So you're saying you want a challenge and a competition for the scrum, but then you're just taking away the opportunity for the team to get the ball. And then 
because you're taking away that opportunity to get the ball, they're more focused on getting an actual hit on and getting the opposition to give away a penalty rather than winning the ball and winning a scrum. Mm. So that leads to the scrum going down. And then rather than getting the ball out because you're saying you want this contest, you're just going to have another scrum. So then you end up with four or five scrums in a row. Um, and then people turn the TV off because I heard yeah. in Australia, Peter said that when they go to a scrum now, they're after throwing in an ad because they know oh, if yeah. they come back in like 90 seconds, like there are 60 seconds, they'll still be in the same position, which is really, really right. smart. But it actually just tells the tale of where that part yeah. of the game is at at the moment. I will say, but like when you see a good game of Union, it's awesome. When you get one of those good games, you're like, how good was that? It's super skillful as well. Yeah. But that's something that the Wallabies do really, really well as well as play with kind of Mavericks and play an expansive game. And they kind of moved away from it for a while, but they're getting back to it now. So I could see them doing well in the future. But as you said, I think a big difference in the way that the ARU or the Australian Rugby Union kind of treated things was they used like a top-down approach and they tried to invest all at the top and then keep the Wallabies players and all of those happy, which you have to do as well, but they didn't invest in grassroots at all. So then yeah, they're well, not getting players through. They're only getting players through the school system. They're all, they're all going to league. Yeah. Whereas if you look at New Zealand, you look at Ireland, like you look at England, like the majority of their investment goes into the grassroots and it actually goes into the coaches so coaching the coaches up on how to coach and how to make it enjoyable but also improve the standard of player and then you get that through and you get the characters that we now have in Ireland like that haven't come through that private school system like the mm-hmm. likes of like Tyg Furlong who's a dairy farmer from Wexford or Sean O'Brien who's a farmer a dairy from farmer, Carlo- yeah. <laughs> there my you go. Dairy- well, my dad was a dairy farmer he's a beef farmer now but I grew up on dairy farm for 18 years <laughs> yeah, and you know, like people like that just have a different perspective on the world. So they're more willing to kind of come out with something that you wouldn't necessarily associate with a rugby player. Like there was an article that was hilarious that Tyg Furlong is addicted to potatoes. And he was just like the nutritionist was kind of trying to take potatoes away from a little bit as a carbohydrate source because he was just sitting there and eating five six but he's a tie head prop so he can like i suppose but i <laughs> was since speaking to the nutritionist that he said that um that was grossly exaggerated that story as you can imagine the media okay. the media never yeah. do that like nah. um, <laughs> anyway we'll move on to quick fire questions before yeah. we finish so first yeah, one sure. is proudest achievement to date what I saw you send this one for I actually don't really have one. I know that sounds bad, but I don't actually, we're not, are you talking about career or just in general? In ge- anything. Terms? All right. I'm proud of, I reckon I've got a, a great group of mates. So I'm proud of my mates. Yeah. That's, that's all my, yeah. Yeah. That's 100%. A great one. Yeah. And then next one is favorite athlete of all time. Of all time. Yeah. Michael Jordan or Anderson Silva. Two absolute goats. Uh, favorite rugby player or rugby moment of all time that can be league or union. Oh, Greg, Greg Inglis, Greg Inglis, what an athlete! Yeah. Like, sick of he's Rabbitohs as well, I suppose. That's where that comes from, too. But uh, yeah, he's just it's just a freak. Like, look at his highlights, and yeah. you've got speed, and you just got him. Just I think it was a try against the Broncos, and then you also look what he did to like Jamie Soward. He just picked him up and just threw him like five meters. That's what I was going to say. Like, that defensively, uh, like he just used to get in where you oh, thought there was no way of stopping a player, and he just get some way of getting to the ball or getting that player yeah, out and, of touch. And some of those hits before they 
they got on the shoulder charge. Oh, how good was that? See, are you a Maroons <laughs> fan then? Oh, well, I'm from WA. So I I lived in Sydney for 10 years. But when I was a kid, I kind of... 10 years of the Blues lose. <laughs> yeah, but then I liked a lot of the players. I mean, all the players that were coming through the, uh, the, the Queensland at the time were all, all going to be Hall of Famers. You had Slater, yeah. Inglis, Cameron Smith, Cronk. So it was very hard to... I was neutral. Yeah. Okay. Next Foot- one is favourite obscure footballer or footballer moment. You can go AFL because we haven't had any AFL. So a moment in AFL that you remember. Oh, West Coast Eagles. Well, I'm a West Coast Eagles fan because I grew up in WA. Five goals, five, six goals down against Collingwood in the first quarter. I walked out of the pub because I someone was singing the, um, the song and I was like, I'm going to start punching on here. So I got a cut, I got a carden, went home, and all of a sudden we just turned it around and then I went back to the pub. <laughs> singing we, your we, song. We kicked that thing and I was just like up on the, on the, on the tables. So that would have to be that. It's got to be tough as well in Australia because, <laughs> like, fans like letting you know that you're losing or that they're winning, I suppose. No, and because well, they're only no. from the neighbourhood over as well, it's like no, what, your mate just, supports a different team I knew, and he's going to rip guy. it to you. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. And he was a Sydney supporter and he was singing the Collingwood song. And I was like, you're singing another team's song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's got that. So one of your mates that you're proud of was trying to rip it, yeah, or roll you off. But nah, that's, that, that's what mates do. No, not anymore, not after that. There's a there's a local local. Right. Artists you've been listening to a lot recently. Listen, with music and that, I, I don't I just put on Spotify and it's, it mixes through and I just change depending on kind of where I'm at. At the moment, I've kind of been listening to more, I guess, hip hop and rap that that Kanye West album, I don't really know what's going on with that. <laughs> so, um, I don't think even Kanye West tried, knows what's yeah, going on with that. I was like, you could have cut that album down to, to a third. Um, and then the Drake one, I'm not so sure about either. Um, I've been listening to a bit of that Tory Lanez guy. Yeah. I don't mind him. Uh, is it Joe Cole? What's his name? I like that album. J. Cole. J. Cole, yeah. yeah. Is that right? The Off Season? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, one? yeah. That's a great one. Uh, um, yeah. Then I listen to some rock. Listen, yeah, mate. We're on the hip hop buzz now. I suppose at the Ker- moment. Cares, yeah. Cares birthday last week. I suppose he probably had you on that. <laughs> well, <laughs> see what's happened is I, I walk. I've been trying to get ten to fifteen thousand steps every day. Um, so I've been doing all walking through these parks and, and stuff like that just to keep you, busy. And I've, you've and I've got it since of- you were locked down because when you were in the lockdown and you weren't able to leave, I read on your newsletter that was 5,000 you were trying to get inside. So at least you're up I'm, to 10 I'm, or 15,000 now. I, was, I, was, I, got put into, I got put into home quarantine because I visited a tier one site. So I couldn't leave my house for 10 days. So I was ordering all my food to my, my doorstep. So yeah, I was doing like 6,000 steps in this little two-bed apartment. Were you doing the same um, thing with the music then? Just throw on music and walk? No, nah, nah, I wasn't doing that. I had a TV on. I was watching the doom and gloom of the news. That's when I was at my lowest, mate. Yeah. Shadow boxing in my house like a muppet. <laughs> but how, 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 how do I stay fit here? You know, you got the you got the UFC in the background. Like, us, 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 us. But I put down the I put down the curtain so no one knew I was crazy. So um, brilliant. I was just trying whatever to stay to stay fit. But um, good yeah. transition <laughs> to who's going to play you in the movie then? Me? No, oh, I've got no idea. Have to be tall, good looking. Smart. <laughs> nah, I'm joking. Um, 
I don't know who would be good for me. No, no idea, mate. You won't go with an Aussie actor, no? What's that, what's that guy's name? The one from um, the four guy? Thor. Chris, Chris. Chris Hemsworth, Chris. is it? He's too good looking for me. He's tall. He can play it. Yeah. He can play it. He can play it. And uh, he's, got a better, he's got a better rig than me as well. <laughs> well, I'm sure he wouldn't mind like a few months of drinking. Uh, watching the UFC with the mates. He wouldn't mind a few weeks of drinking, watching the UFC <laughs> with his mates to get Mate, fully I've, assimilated I've lost, into the role. Yeah. I've lost four kilos last few weeks, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to look like him soon. Nice. So, nice. Yeah. You'd be on that uh, training uh, app that he's trying to sell to everybody as the one true training app to get you in shape. <laughs> fucking yeah. bur- burpees and fucking sit-ups, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Books you've been reading? Uh, I just finished the CVS manual. Jay sent it through to me. That was, that was really, really good. I'm reading Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules, the first one, um, 12 Rules of Life or something. I've I, I probably got four books in the go, but I, I haven't been, I've been really bad. Like I got that Taylor Black Swan and it's five years for it and I still haven't finished it. But every now and then I go on the flight and I read 30, 40 pages. I'm three quarters for that Principles by Ray Dalio. Um do you ever find that when you don't read it for a while, you have to read the few pages yeah. beforehand oh. to get back into it? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you speak to Kia. Kia will read something and he's got like photographic memory. I watched this, an episode of Animal Kingdoms the other day and I forgot what happened the week before. So my memory is shocking. <laughs> <laughs> so I quite often, I, I, when I read, I need, if it's like um, biomechanics, anatomy training and that, I, I like to take notes yeah. all the time. I know that's how people I do that. Yeah, I'm better at retaining that way. I can't just, I struggle to, to like just take it straight in. Different types um, of learning, though, as well, like as we talked about earlier, I suppose, yeah. as well. Like, oh, I'm just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the biggest thing you've learned in the last 12 months? Last, probably just to get your life in order um, because we've had so much stuff taken away from us. So just trying to be happy. Um, before I used to think I was defined by my job and I really don't think that way anymore. Um, probably more about my relationships with people, my health, um, family. Um, you, you take a lot of that stuff for granted. I mean, when you've kind of been in and out of lockdown all year and we've been in it for ages, it's just like you, those small things, you know, human interaction with people, getting outside, um, exercise, chatting to your mates, chatting to your family. Probably that, how important that is for you. And then when you have those things in place, how much better your well-being is. Yeah. So then what would you tell your 18-year-old self? Uh, network more. Um, find a mentor. Um, find a good mentor early. Um, and then, just, yeah, network more, create more connection, uh, connections in the field. But also, I don't want to take I, I had a lot of fun when I was 18 as well. So keep having fun. Yeah, hey? that's always. I had, fun. I, had a, I, had a, I had a good mix between uni and going out with your mates and playing footy and stuff like that. So it's it's hard because you still want to have that enjoyment in your life as well. So yeah, probably yeah. have a little bit more. Probably have a little bit more balance. Which is what keeps cropping up from everyone. Thanks a million, Graham. That was brilliant. No worries, brother. Thank you. No worries.